We're turning tonight, if you have your Bible with you, and I hope you do, uh, to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to begin reading at verse 1. First Kings 17, and reading at verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Kirith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Kirith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land." Let's look to the Lord once more in prayer. Father, we thank you for the book that you've given us. You've inspired it and preserved it so that we might hold it in our hands in our own language today. What a joy it is to have this King James Version of the Bible. Father, we don't deserve your word, but we thank you that you have taken it upon yourself to preserve it for us. We pray that you'll help us to be students of this book. That tonight as we look into it, your spirit will guide us. Guide my words and guide our thoughts. Help us to receive what you have for us, each one. And we thank you, Lord, that every question that plagues our hearts, every difficulty that comes our way, every problem that surfaces, the answer is right here in the pages of the book you've given us. Help us, Lord, to be students of this book. We pray that you'll give us grace to lay up the treasures of your promises in our hearts. To begin to think the way you do about all of life's issues. That we might have joy and peace and believing. And confidence in what you can accomplish. Even in these difficult days. We know Lord that your purpose is, is true and right. And that your mercy is, is everlasting. Your grace is sufficient to meet every need. We thank you so much for your love for us. And for the sacrifice that you made for us there upon the cross of Calvary. As you allowed your spotless son who was totally innocent to take our sin upon himself. Father we don't deserve that kind of love. But we do thank you that because he did that. Because he took our sin. We can have his life in exchange for our own. We pray you'll help us Lord to enter into it more and more each day. To learn the reasons why it was necessary. And to appreciate more and more what you have done for us. We know that you have a purpose in all things. We ask you to help us to trust you. No matter what the future might look like or the, the, day, the circumstances of the day might be, that we might have a confidence in you that will shine forth and be a witness for your name. We ask you to strengthen us together as a family, as a church family, and strengthen us as individuals as well. And we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We've been studying a little bit here about Elijah in recent messages. And we spent a lot of time on verses 1 and 2 talking about the word that God gave to Elijah. And that was no accident. Elijah was a man that God could use because he had a heart for the Lord. Even out there in the wilderness of Gilead where he was from. 
He was thinking about the word of God that he had available in his day. And he was praying and asking the Lord to guide him and to uh, help his nation, the people of Israel, who had drifted so far away from God. And the Lord saw in him a faithful servant that he could raise up and use to speak to Ahab, the king of Israel. What a, what a, a, a fearful thing that could have been to go before the very king of the land, someone who had the power of life and death, and to tell them the truth. And yet the Lord's called us to do the very same thing. We read about Elijah in James chapter 5, that he got answers to prayer, and we find out it was because he had a life that God could use. The Bible says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. A righteous man. He had a right life, and that's why God could use him. Not, this is not every man that can be used of God like this. It's not even every Christian because we don't always have our life lined up with the Lord's purposes. But right with God in practical ways. Like Elijah's conduct. It was pleasing to the Lord. What he did and what he didn't do. The choices he made. His garments, his testimony to the world. It was an unspotted testimony. That's why the Lord could use him. And he was willing to be separated from the religious and the, wicked, the religious evil and the wickedness of his day. He didn't participate in what most people were doing. He came apart with the Lord and got the Lord's, the Lord's mind about the nation, about the situation, and about what God wanted to do about it. And as he thought about the word of God, as we noticed, he saw that God's judgment would often come prophesied in the form of a withholding of blessings like rain. God will withhold rain. He specifically says so in the word of God. We looked at that passage. That God would withhold rain if the nation was turning away from the Lord. And so Elijah could pray along those lines for God to do that very thing. Stop the rain, Lord. Stop the rain. This nation is sinking into wickedness. It's sinking into ungodliness. It's turning away from you and it's publicly mocking your name. Stop the rain, Lord. You said you would in your word and it's for your glory. To show that you are the God of heaven and that you are the one who rules the nations of men. And so the, the prayer of Elijah was in line with the Lord's will. And also his life was in line with the Lord's purpose. God can use a person like that. But he was a man just like we are. A person just like we are. The Bible says in James he was subject to like passions as we are. He had the same difficulties and struggles that we all face. And yet God could use him. God can use me. God can use you if we are willing to obey the Lord and have a life that's right with Him. He won't use us if we don't. And so many times that's the barrier. But there was no barrier between the soul of Elijah and a sin-hating God. No barrier. And so God could use him. And He called him to go to the king of his land and to say to him, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. That's a pretty strong statement. You'd have to be assured by the Lord that that's what he wanted you to say. But Elijah was. His communion with the Lord was such that he could know what God wanted. And he could say what the Lord wanted him to say. We often wonder what to say to relatives who are not saved, to, to people that we deal with, fellow Christians, uh, children that we minister to in the school here. We, we wonder what to say. Sometimes it's hard to know what to say. But I believe the Lord will answer the prayer of a heart that's humbled before him. Just like he did for Elijah. He'll show us exactly what to say. What to say. 
If our heart is, is, is tender before the Lord and our mind is filled with his word, we'll be able to bring out the very thoughts that will help someone else uh, and be a blessing to them. So that's what Elijah was doing. He put the glory of God ahead of everything else. Uh, the, um, in, in, his, in the land where he, was, where he was serving the Lord, there was no public recognition of the Lord in Israel. It had gotten that bad. The nation had turned away from God. They, they were not worshiping in the, in the way God called them to worship. They weren't serving the Lord. And they openly insulted and defied the Lord. That was what was going on. Does that sound familiar? That's the kind of day we live in too, isn't it? Elijah longed to see God's name vindicated and his people restored to him. He wasn't, Elijah wasn't happy that the Lord would withhold this rain because he knew what would happen. He had the same passions and tender heart that we have for our fellow men. He didn't pray this to come down upon them just to see, see something bad happen to the nation. His, the goal was to, to bring out God's glory and get the people turning back toward the Lord. Get the people turning back toward the Lord. So it was a heart of love, like the Lord's heart, that stopped the rain. And, and, and when he had delivered this message, when he had delivered this message, um, the Lord, the Lord said to him, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Kirith that is before Jordan. Uh, oftentimes, when we pray, our un- we have prayers that are unanswered because things get in the way. Our own natural feelings. You know, we have natural feelings for our family members and, and natural feelings just as a human being for other people. Those can be contrary to what the Lord's trying to do, though. We need to be aware of that. and We can have carnal motives, fleshly motives for what we're praying or selfish considerations. We, we're praying about things that we want to see happen because actually it would be convenient for us if our family member who gives us such a fit got saved. Are we praying that the Lord will work on their heart so we can have an easier life? <laughs> or are we, are we praying for God to do something in their life so that he can be glorified, so that he can reach that heart? And... Uh, what is the motivation for our prayers? Uh, we can come boldly to the throne of grace, Hebrews 4.16, and obtain grace to help in time of need. And we need grace. We need grace to keep our own life clear of the surrounding evil so that we'll have a testimony. And then grace to maintain a holy influence on other people, saying and doing things that will actually point them toward the Lord. We need that. And God's answer to that is in Isaiah at least one answer is in Isaiah 41, verse 10. And this is what the Lord says to that praying heart who humbles himself or herself before the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Isaiah 41, 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. That's what the Lord says to us. And he builds that confidence of that fact into our heart as we pray, as we study his word, and as we ask him to move according to his plan in the lives of those we're praying for. Trust in the Lord with, with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And the Lord says in Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. We don't need to be dismayed. The Lord's in charge. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. If the Lord holds you up, you can't fall. If the Lord holds you up, you can do what you need to do. If the Lord holds you up, everything is supplied to do the will of God. Maybe not the will of Jed, not the will of yourself, not the will even of your 
family members who think they know what's best. But the will of God can be done when God is holding you up. And he promises to do that. And so we take that promise to the Lord and we say, Lord, you said you would do this for those who trust in you. And I trust in you. Elijah trusted in God and God could use him. Well, the Lord can use us too. The Lord can use us too. But the Lord says to Elijah something really strange in verse 3. After he goes, after he has had this communion with the Lord, he's had this long journey to the king. He stood in this place of, of, uh, of the highest place of government in his day, right before the king who had the power of life and death, and delivered this word that was unpopular. The Lord said, get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself. Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Kirith that is before Jordan. Why did the Lord do that? I mean, just think about how things normally work. God leads step by step, step by step. He didn't tell Elijah all of this ahead of time. And I can imagine as Elijah traveled to see the king, he's wondering, well, after I do this, what next? What do I do then? And that's the way we are. We want to know the whole plan. We say, Lord, I'll serve you as long as, as you can tell me how that's going to work out uh, six months from now or a year from now. You're going to show me the end of the story and help me see how it all fits together. And the Lord just says, go. Go tell the king what he needs to hear. Do what I've given you to do, and I'll take care of you. And then the Lord says, okay, now get the hints and hide thyself. What is that all about? Hide thyself. The flesh hates to be led by the Spirit of God. We want to know everything as is going to happen so that we can decide if we like God's plan or not. <laughs> That's what we're doing. We want to decide. Lord, you show me all the steps and I'll decide if that fits with what I see as the best way. The Lord doesn't do that. He takes it step by step. And here he's given Elijah the next step. Go hide thyself. Elijah could have started, a, it would have been reasonable to start a, a preaching tour around Israel, telling all the people what he had told the king and trying to tell them about the Lord. That would have been something that human reasoning would say, hey, it makes sense. You've told the king, now let's try to get the people on board and stirred up and get this nation turned around. He could have started a political action committee to try to influence the government even more than he had with this first word that he delivered. And those are reasonable things to do. And, and not, not wrong things to do. Neither one of those are wrong. But it's not what the Lord wanted him to do at this juncture. And that's why it's so important to learn to listen to the Lord and to find his leading and to walk in the center of his will. There are lots of good things. But what does God want me to do? What does the Lord want me to be doing with my time this day? We need to know that. And we need the Lord's help to know it. We can't go by human reasoning or natural inclinations. You know, what we kind of feel like fits our personality or something. And this is what I'll do because I'm kind of this kind of person. That's not, that's not the leading of the Lord. We need to know what the Lord would have us do. And right here at this moment, the Lord said, Elijah, you've done all this. Now go hide yourself by the brook Kirith. Go hide yourself. Don't go around and talk to anybody else. Don't go anywhere else. Go to this place that I've told you to go. And, and, and that's an interesting place indeed. Why did he send Elijah to the brook Kirith? Why? Was it to protect Elijah from harm? Some people say that and even some commentators say that in their commentary on this passage. But I don't think so. And the reason I don't think so is what we read in chapter 18. If you'll turn over there, uh, one page over. And look at verse 17. 
1 Kings 18 and verse 17. Because this is the next time that Ahab sees Elijah. And it says, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal 450, the prophets of the groves 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. What you notice about this passage, the first time that Ahab and Elijah meet again, Ahab doesn't try to kill him. Ahab actually does what Elijah says to do and goes to get all the prophets of Baal and bring them to Mount Carmel. He actually obeys Elijah's word and and does what Elijah says. So I don't think at this point in chapter 17 that the Lord told Elijah to go hide to protect him. I don't think he needed to at this point. Later on, Jezebel gets stirred up and she wants to put, put Elijah to death, but that's later in the story. Right now, I think there's another reason. And what is that other reason? That the Lord called Elijah off to the brook Kirith in that solitary place. Well, we know that whatever the Lord requires or commands is for his glory and for our good. And that helps us to understand what's going on here. If you'll take a look with me at Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 20. I think that's uh, significant enough that we ought to turn there and look at it. Because I think it's a key to understanding why the Lord told Elijah to go hide. Isaiah chapter 30 and look with me there at verse 20. It says this. Isaiah 30 and verse 20. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction... Ye shall, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers. The teachers that God had given to his people are probably one of the most significant gifts that he gives. He's given us his word, and he's given us his spirit to teach us his word. And the next best gift that God has given us are people who can teach it and explain it and preach it to us and keep us in remembrance of what it is. That's a gift that God gives to a people, to a church or to a a nation. The Lord gives people who can preach and teach God's word and gives them those gifts and empowers them to go out and do that work. And, And he talks in Isaiah 30 and verse 20 about a time when the Lord removed the teachers of Israel into a corner. He removed their teachers into a corner. That was a tremendous judgment on the nation. And then later on here in Isaiah, he's saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to keep the teachers there. I'm going to keep the teachers there to teach the word. I'm not going to remove them into a corner anymore. But thine eyes shall see thy teachers. So looking at that verse in Isaiah makes me think that the Lord had had Elijah go aside because it was a judgment on the nation. He took Elijah out of the way. Because the nation didn't deserve to hear from Elijah. The Lord was going to bring judgment and that, that rain would be stopped and there would be no, no uh, way to stop it. Not, no way to stop it for three years. And so the Lord was going to do that and he took the teacher, Elijah, he took that servant out of the way. It's a tremendous judgment on a nation when God begins to take away the teachers. Mr. Creech was talking in chapel today about how so many churches are not preaching the Word of God. 
They're not teaching their congregation the word of God. There's no teacher really in the church. There's a preacher and they have services, but they're not learning from God's word what they need to know to to be strong in the Lord, to uh, have the the power to go out and be the witness that they need to be in this sin-cursed world. There's no convicting preaching going on. Well, that's one aspect of this. But even those who, even those who are faithful to God, they, they can be removed. God can pull them back. He can pull them back in different ways. Sometimes he'll take, take them on home uh, to heaven. Preachers that, that uh, he's moving out of the way. Or he might bring them out in some other way. But it's a judgment on the nation when that happens. And I believe that's what was happening here. Elijah was just removed, but that's not the only reason. It's not the only reason. The word cherith means to cut or to cut off. And it was just a little brook. It wasn't a river. It was just a little brook. And it was probably a seasonal brook that would be running sometimes and dry sometimes. And that's why no one else would bother Elijah there because it wasn't a reliable, normally a reliable place to get water. But the Lord sent him there, way out on the edge of Israel, way out on the edge near Jordan, Sent him out to that place, that desolate place. And the Lord said, that's where you need to go. Why did he send him there? Why did he send him there? I believe it was because for Elijah's sake, even though he had done, been faithful to the Lord and stood before the king, there was a danger. And the danger was that his pride would get the best of him. It's hard for any one of us to avoid the problem that pride creates. When things go well, and may we seem to have an influence, and, and, and things are going right, we, we begin to get our, our, you know, our chest puffed, puffed out a little bit, and we're standing up a little taller, and we just feel like we're doing something for God. And then pretty soon, our pride gets us in trouble. We forget that we're nothing. The Lord's everything. He's the one who accomplishes anything in any heart. We don't do anything except just to follow Him, just to give the word that He's already given us. We're just like a a beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. We're telling people they can turn to the Lord. That he's the one they need. We're not the one they need. He's the one they need. And we forget that. We often forget that. The the danger danger is that pride can get the best of us. It's only by getting alone with the Lord that we can learn about our own nothingness. Um, We see that in Mark chapter 6. Verses 30 and 31, where we read this, The apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. The Lord called his disciples aside in the midst of the work because they needed that time with him. They needed that time to reflect on the fact that he was the one who was doing the work. They needed a rest from their own labors. They needed to trust in the Lord. The Lord said to Elijah, Get thee hence, and turn eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Kirith that is before Jordan. This brook is near Jordan. And that had to be an encouragement to Elijah when he got there and began to think about it. Because that was the place where God worked a miracle for Israel. You remember how when the children of Israel were entering into the land of Canaan, God met with Joshua and promised him that he would be with him as he had been with Moses. And Elijah could think about that. Well, here I am in the same place. And the Lord says he he would be with Joshua as he was with Moses. He'll be with me 
I can take comfort in that. But not only that, but the Lord worked a miracle and rolled back the waters of the Jordan River. And so the, the children of Israel, Israel could pass through on dry ground. A miracle to let them pass through into this land. And as he sat there by that brook Kirith near the Jordan, I'm sure he thought about all those things. So he was in a place where God had blessed his people. A place where God had called him. You know, he, he had stood before the highest level of government. And sometimes we think that you know, the Lord's work will suffer if we're removed from it. But further training in secret was what was needed. Further training in secret is what the Lord was doing. And this is always the Lord's way. I mean, think about Joseph. Joseph had to go into the pit and into the prison before he could be second in command in Egypt. The Lord had to do that in Moses' life. He spent a third of his life on the backside of the desert before he could go lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Think about David. David had to suffer the lonely rigors of farm life, keeping the sheep and such, before he ever got a chance to go up against Goliath. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, went into Arabia, the Bible says, for a period of time before he became the Apostle to the Gentiles and could serve the Lord. We all need that time alone with God, whether it's a daily basis or in seasons of solitude, where we get closer to the Lord and He can use us more fully. Even the Lord Jesus Christ. 30 years, 30 years he was in this world before the short public ministry of his last three and a half years. All of this is preparation. Preparation for what the Lord would have us do in the days ahead. And Elijah had lots of things to do in the days ahead. The Lord was going to use him still in other mighty ways. But yet he had to go to this, he had to go to this brook to learn that. Verse 4 here says, And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Cheereth is a brook, not a river. And lots of times we have a problem with that. The Lord has to teach us not to rest in the blessings. Has to teach us not to rest in the blessing. Just this little brook with a little bit of water in it. And we want a river. We want more, we want more assurances and more blessings and to really, really feel confident in the Lord. But the Lord sends the brook. He sends the brook that we need. I think about Isaiah 33, which says this, He that walketh righteously... And speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of oppressions, that shaketh his hands from holding of bribes, that stoppeth his ears from hearing, from hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil, he shall dwell on high. His place shall be the defense, shall be the de his place of defense shall be the munition of rocks. And this this is the last part of the verse: bread shall be given him, and his water shall be sure. If we walk with the Lord and have a life that's right with Him, then our bread will be given us. The Lord will sustain us. And His water shall be sure. So that, that, that uh, temporary stream that probably was just seasonal, the Lord kept it flowing for that time that Elijah was there. And that little trickle of water, that little brook that came down, may, may not have seemed like much. It was no river, but it was what God had supplied. And He promised that Elijah would be able to drink of it. It shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Two kinds of, two kinds of supply the Lord gave here. He gave the, the natural supply of a brook that flows with water. Nothing supernatural about that except that God is keeping it flowing. And, and then these ravens, this was supernatural. Ravens are birds bringing food to the prophet every morning and every evening. That's amazing. And it's, it's doubly amazing because ravens are unclean birds. We read in Leviticus chapter 11, verse 13 and 15, 
These are they which ye shall have an abomination among the fowls. They shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. And then verse 15 says in the list, every raven after his kind. So these are unclean birds. These are unclean birds. And yet God's going to use these unclean birds to bring food to his, to his prophet. Uh, I, can, I can imagine Elijah sitting there thinking, well, is these ravens bringing this food, is that really going to be reliable? Are those birds going to be able to keep doing this? Or is this like a one-time thing? Or, or what's going to happen here? It doesn't look very promising in that way. But you might be wondering too, what kind of food are these birds that eat carrion, they eat dead animals, what, what are they going to bring me that's going to be fit to eat? You know, am I going to actually be able to eat this food? And yet God said, I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And if God commands it, you can eat it. If God commands it, it'll be the supply that you need. Even though it might be coming in ways that, you know, are supernatural. You didn't know how the support was going to come, how the bills were going to get paid, how the Lord was going to help your family deal with the health problems that are going on or whatever it is. You don't know how that's going to happen. But the Lord said, I've commanded the ravens to feed thee. And the Lord will be true to his word. He will meet the need. He will supply what we need. We read in Revelation about some birds. Revelation 18. We read, And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. So the Lord is talking about people here. He's talking about those who, like unclean and hateful birds, are lodging in the branches of Christianity. These are people who don't know God. People who really hate the truth. People who are are apostate from the truth. And yet God will take lost people sometimes and dispose them to bless his people. God will use lost people who are really selfish and don't care about the Lord to do things that actually bless the Lord's people. He does that all the time in in the political arena. He takes people who have no interest really in the word of God. They might mention God because that's politically popular in some places. But in their own life, they don't live for the Lord. They live an abjectly uh, selfish and sinful life. And yet God will use them. God will put it on their heart and dispose them. He can take the king's heart like the rivers of water and turn it whithersoever he will. And he can take people that are against the Lord. and he He can get them to do things that bless the Lord's people. The Lord can do that. He makes even the wrath of man to praise him. He can take wicked, selfish unbelievers and dispose them to help the Lord's people. But the Lord is is feeding Elijah here with these ravens. And verse 5 says, So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. So verse 2, the word of the Lord came to him saying, Get the hits. And verse 5, So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Kirith that is before Jordan. Sometimes you hear people talking about the will of God in kind of vague ways. They say, I'm I'm praying and trying to understand the will of God or get the mind of the Lord on this. And it's sort of a vague combination of what I want to do and trying to get God to bless it. That's what it sounds like and what it comes across as. It's not finding the word of the Lord. The will of God is in the word of God. That's what I'm saying. Right here, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And in verse 5, he went and did according to the word of the Lord. If we're not pouring over this book to find what the Lord would have us to be doing, then we're looking in the wrong place. Because this is where we're going to find it. 
Not only the general truths of the word of God, the fundamentals of the faith, but I'm talking about the details of the things we need to do. How many times have I picked up the Bible in the morning to read a devotion and the very verse, the very verses that I was reading were the answer to the question that was on my heart about what to do or about how to proceed or about what to say to somebody. And the Lord would put it right there. You got this whole book and yet the very thing I needed to see that morning was in the verses I read. That is, that's what the Lord does for us. Are you getting that? Are you, are you meeting him? Are you getting that? Is that something that you could say that's your experience? The Lord will guide you and lead you right out of his word. He'll show you what you need to see. And, and the Lord does that. So we don't need to be so vague about finding the will of God like some mysterious thing we have no access to. It's right here. It's in the word of the Lord. Just like Elijah. He went and did according to the word of the Lord. And this is the, ever the Lord's way. You know, we don't get the Lord's blessings and the Lord's su- supply unless we obey the voice of the Lord. What if Elijah said, well, I'm not really a fan of that little Cherith Brook down thing down there. That's, a, that's kind of a desolate place. I mean, there's no McDonald's there. What am I going to do? How am I going to exist down there? That's no place to go. I've got a better idea. I'll go over here to some other spot where it's a lot more comfortable. Well, if he had, he would not have met with the Lord. He would not have had the Lord's supply. And he would not have been learning the things he needed to know to do the next thing the Lord wanted him to do. He would have been sidetracked. The Apostle Paul said he did not want to be put on the shelf in God's word. And so he kept under his body and kept it under subjection. He kept himself, disciplined himself, so he wouldn't be set aside in the work of God. He wanted to stay in the way with the Lord so the Lord could use him. And that's what, that's what Elijah did. He went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and dwelt by the brook Kirith, that's before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread, bread, bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Just like God said. It happened just like God said it would. And it will for you too. It will for me too when I obey the Lord. And then it says in verse 7, It came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. This verse teaches us that no matter how much we walk with God, no matter how much we trust the Lord, we are not going to be uh, completely uh, immune from the judgments of God that come on our nation. You know, when the Lord begins to bring judgment on the United States, judgment on this country, Christians are going to suffer some too. Christians will suffer along with everybody else because there will be deprivations that permeate the entire society. And the Lord will take care of us. The Bible says, or David could say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging bread. But we can't expect to be completely immune from every problem that is part of the judgment of God on the nation where we live. We're going to be suffering as well. But that's just part of the way things are. And so it was a drought. And so eventually the Lord let the brook dry up because of the drought. And there's Elijah thinking, I'm sure, well, this is great, Lord. How are we going to continue? We've got the ravens still bringing the food, but there's no water. Can't live without water. And the Lord had a plan, of course, as we're going to see in a future lesson. But the point of this one, the point of this one seems to me to be that we, to get God's blessing, we have to obey God's voice. That really is the theme right here. To get God's blessing, we've got to obey God's voice. If we're unwilling to obey what the Lord is showing us to do, Maybe he's setting something in front of us he wants us to be involved in and we're resisting it. Or maybe it's something we are involved in. The Lord has said, this is not for you. This is not for you. Why do you keep doing this? And we, we're just resisting the Lord. We need to put that down. 
We need to say, Lord, I want to follow you like Elijah did. I want to be faithful to you. I want you to be able to bless me and lead me and use me. Whatever that means. Wherever it sends me. Whatever it takes, Lord. I'm willing. And we come to the Lord with that attitude. And he begins to use us. He begins to show us. He begins step by step to reveal what he would have us do. And to give us the grace to do it. The Lord's willing. He's no respecter of persons. That's so important. No respecter of persons. If he would do it for Elijah, then I can claim that same promise. He will do it for me. Otherwise, he's a respecter of persons. And he's not. And so I can know that even though this is an Old Testament passage, and even though the Lord might not send physical birds to bring me food tomorrow morning, that the Lord will take care of me. He will feed me in the place where he's called me to go. The Lord says in verse 4, I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. To feed thee there, the place where I called you. That's the only place I'm going to feed you, but I will feed you there. Are we in the place where the Lord's called us? Are we doing the things he's set before us to do? Are we open for the Lord to show us what's next and then to do it in obedience to him? The Lord said, I'll feed you there. I will feed you there. Get thee hence, turn the eastward and hide thyself by the brook Kirith that's before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and for these words. We thank you that we can trust you just like Elijah did. And we can have the same communion with you that he enjoyed if we want it. We know that we're as close to you, Lord, as we want to be. We're as close to you as we want to be. And if we're not leaning on your breast, if we're not in tune with your heart, if we're not trusting you and searching your word daily, that's not your fault, Lord. That's our fault. We're cheating ourselves out of, out of what's available to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us not to be, to be uh, short in this area. Help us, Lord, to be obedient to your voice. Call us to yourself. Draw us to yourself. And help us, Lord, to put aside anything that's interfering with your purpose in our life. We know that the only thing that can come as a result of that kind of decision is blessing, blessing, and communion with you. We pray that it might increase, that we might love you more and more until the day you call us home. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to number 361 as our closing hymn. 361.
Let's look to the Lord in closing prayer as Michael Pies leads us. Father, we thank you for this reading, and I do pray that you would.